0: Now on Food FM, it's The Baker's Dozen with Stephen Hallam, the pork pie man with a bow tie from the old pork pie shop in Melton Mowbray, the world centre of excellence for pork pies. Baker's Dozen on Food FM. Daniel Nemeth, or Dan, to his family, friends, customers and mates, founded Seasons Bakery in 2007, now based in Ingleton, North Yorkshire. Dan has received a host of awards for all his bread, and in 2020, he was voted the Tip Tree World Bread Awards hero for the Northwest. So, Dan, welcome. Hi, you all right? Very well, thanks. So, tell us, how did you come to have a bakery in Ingleton?
1: Well, I moved to Ingleton many years ago, uh, fell in love with the place. Uh, Back when I opened up a little shop as a furniture sort of woodworking shop, because that's what I was trained to do as well as being a baker. And... I did that for a bit, and then uh, I chopped my finger off, actually. (laughs) So that didn't work out very well. And then I stopped in Ingleton, did various things, and then set up my own little sandwich company uh, back in 2007 uh, that then evolved and evolved and evolved. And the main thing is I couldn't get decent cakes, couldn't get decent bread supplied to me. There's a number of different bakeries round about, but they couldn't And We decided to start making bread and cakes for our own business. And then the sandwiches sort of fizzled out and we started doing markets and bread and cake just took off really. And then we moved sites and ended up in a bigger site. Then it moved again into another bigger site. And it has been what it has been today. And we're, we're still introducing new products
0: all these years on. Yeah, for those that don't know, if my geography is correct, ingleton it's on the fringe of the yorkshire dales national park i think it's on the west side yeah, it's of the-
1: See, like a little triangle that meets lancashire and cumbria so i can travel a mile down the road and it's lancashire and i travel another mile and it's
0: cumbria so best of all worlds then yeah yeah it is yeah Go- going back to um the bakery then uh you you said as well as woodworking you you're trained as a baker where where did the inspiration come from for that did you just sort of uh, wake up one day and say i want to be a baker or
1: it's my great my great grandparents they had a big bakery in uh, germany um that's on my dad's side and then on my mum's side they uh, they're from farming background so when we were kids we always wanted to go on the farm at a weekend and when we were really small like four or five year old we were always helping nanny bake cakes or you know licking the spoons and weighing up for her and going and getting the eggs from the egg hug and stuff like that so we, it was sort of beaten into us at an early age that we had to become handy with our hands if we weren't doing that we we're building dens and stuff on the farm so and helping out milking cows doing all sorts of stuff so originally when we were kids i always wanted to be a farmer but then baking sort of
0: took over really Got i feel as if i'm possibly talking or looking at myself in the mirror my my mother came from a farm, <laughs> farming background. Um, farming stock,
1: you can't. Yes, do it yet. Ab-
0: absolutely. And I think if uh, when you're a child in the farming community, uh, there's no such thing as uh, staying in bed in the morning and uh, going to bed at late oh, no. late at night. By Jove, you no, know, you're helping out. And uh, my my father, yeah. yes, my father also had a a bakery, and uh, after I'd done all my schooling and and. Uh, the, the a levels and all of that and you know what do you want to do and I was kicking my heels and at home and I was told that I was going in to help at the bakery uh, short staff not having you here at home doing nothing <laughs> and that's where it all began yeah. so uh, fantastic so in in your uh, um, business at the moment what sort of range of products yeah. uh, do, do you make
1: Oh we make a we make over 300 products daily. Um, I've now got a team of 50, uh, well over 50 staff. Um, and then we're introducing new new schemes. We've got some new apprenticeship schemes that we're doing. Um, we've taken on three um, trainees at the minute, um, introducing another one um, in a few weeks, hopefully, as, as bakers themselves. We bake around the clock now. As of a few days ago, we, we went into 24-hour production of all of all products we've got cake bakers at night we've got cake bakers during the day we've got pie bakers bread bakers we have quite quite a team now of different skilled people from all over the world we've got hungarians uh, greek almost from portugal scottish irish we've got uh, some really skilled people from all over the world it's fantastic you learn i'm still learning now you know i made my first portuguese tart in january this year and I haven't stopped making them really, it's been, it's been it, it, I've learned, of, Ramos is fantastic, he's, he's from Portugal, so it's an authentic Portuguese tart, so he's taught me how to make them and they're amazing. There's like little nicks and knacks that he does that I wouldn't necessarily do, so you're always learning, but we do loads of different pies and pastries, and we do loads of croissants and all that type of stuff, loads of sourdough, loads of yeasted breads, keeping it as natural as possible. Uh, we're having a big reshake at the minute. We're we're trying to head down the palm oil free route for the entire bakery. We've done it with the bread, and also no fish oil, so fish products in the bakery um, and the bakery shops. So we don't do tuna sandwiches or salmon sandwiches, anything like that. We're very passionate about the planet. Um, we do everything we can to make sure that the business doesn't affect the planet much as another business would uh the palm oil free has been quite a feat really we're trying to really go about but as you know everything has palm oil in um whether it's nutella or margarine so a lot of the products that we're making now we might not be making in six months time because we can't find an alternative that will make the quality but we've made that statement so we're going to stick by it
0: It is a challenge uh, finding replacement for palm oil, isn't it? Even though the world has come on a lot, and there are sustainable sources and recognised sustainable sources that hold all the ideals that the the, the public wish for, the qualities that uh, and the effect that palm kernel oil can bring into whatever it's being used in, um, but particularly in, in fats, yes. is almost impossible to substitute.
1: It's not too bad. We've been working with a company in Holland um, quite closely. Uh, they're flew out. They're flying out fats to us quite regularly to test. Um, we've got a really nice pastry marge. We've got a really nice cake marge. Um, we're tweaking the cake match at the minute, but that's in production. You can purchase that, but none of the big, none of the big people like BFP or Baker—they're not stocking them, unfortunately. Which is a big, which which is a big blow, really. They need to be thinking about these sort of things. We're okay. trying to persuade them to... Um, change and stock these items but we're going to be buying them in by the ton from holland and then we can we can keep them and they're a lot easier to keep you don't have to keep anything in the fridge they don't they don't melt when it's red hot um they're quite nice to work with actually it's just it's just we're tweaking our recipes sometimes like scones we needed a bit more sugar in them because uh, they weren't as tasty you know it, it's strange how the fat you know, brings out different things. So, but we're working well with them. They're, they're listening to us every time we go back and say, "Oh, this needs this, this needs this." And they come back with a better, better, better one. But the puff pastry is fantastic.
0: Very interesting to hear. I think you've touched on something that a lot of people may not realize just how scientific baking is you you can't just throw ingredients you can throw ingredients together but um it it won't work it won't it won't be repeated with it there's always a balance Uh, we talk about recipe balance don't we that that
1: uh, gets treated all the time different seasons require different tweaks you know especially with bread in summer it's red hot and you have to either add ice cubes to the mix to cool it down or you're putting your bulk fermentation straight in the fridge and not leaving it out or the sour ferments got to go in the retarder for uh, to be kept because the bakery is too warm there's there's all sorts of aspects and scientific ways of all the ingredients um, throughout the year. Sometimes it's too cold in winter, even with the heating on for some stuff. Yes,
0: yeah, so and now, um. now that you're working 24 hours a day, it's continual, yeah. <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely continual. Yeah, it out, out of all of your uh, uh, products, and yeah, there's there's a lot of them, do you have a favourite? Do you have um, a, a go-to one that, that as a baker? Says more to you than than anything else.
1: It's always the sourdough uh, for me. And for eating, it's the pastel de natto. I can't get enough of them. But for making, it's it's definitely the sourdough. It's it's why we're why we're so good at it because I'm that passionate about it. Because you know the beetroot is the one that we're famous for. But we make over, I think we make over sixty different types of sourdough all year round. You know this at the moment. You have we have regularly twelve to fourteen doors every day, different types of sourdough whether it's got different flavours, different, you know, whether it's a, a multi-seed or a toasted molten rye. But then we go to the extreme and we make like a Mrs Kirkhamson, which is a cheese, award-winning cheese mixed with Marmite. We also do a chilli version of that. We do a Jewish rye, which is caraway seeds, and it's got granary flour, rye flour in. So we do we do quite the eclectic mix of sourdoughs. I and mean, people come from far, far and wide just to try them or get them, you know, regularly.
0: The, the word sourdough... And and sourdough bread has uh, certainly taken the UK by storm, especially over the past, let's say, eighteen months. With more than half the population now uh, baking their own bread at home as well, everybody sort of looks upon sourdough as being the holy grail. That it's the you get that right, you get that right, and you've mastered it. Yeah, definitely. What what makes sourdough then? Just for somebody who knows can make a loaf of bread, but for somebody who perhaps. uh, would like to get into it? What have they got to do to uh, start making sourdough bread?
1: Uh, patience. The main thing is patience, love and understanding. We te- I teach. We've got our own little school and we, we teach people and they always come in a hooey. They think that they can make it in a day and they can't. You know, I, d- I tell them there and then, you know, we're not going to make a loaf of bread today. Um, I'm going to show you how to make a loaf. But on a two-day one, we do make a loaf of bread. We see it so many times. I'll go into a bakery and help them set up um, sourdough production. All over the country I've helped out different bakeries set up the actual process, taught the bakers how to do it and little tweaks. A lot of bakeries run the fridges far too cold and they need to be higher. They need to be, you know, a lot higher. And then for the sourdough to work, we've got people at home. It's just the usual you either don't mix in enough or you you're scared of putting not enough water in it. There's so many little little things, you know, you can have you can go into our kitchen at the moment, that's that's nice and cold all the time. But you can go into my mum's kitchen, and hers uh, is red hot. And she's actually trying to master. She's gluten intolerant, so she's actually just started. She's got into the craze uh, through lockdown, and she's going into gluten-free sourdough. Um, and I keep giving her pointers, and she keeps making them. Uh, but it's totally different. Is that because it's a it's there's no <laughs> there's you know there's no uh, flour in there. So, but it's the same. It's fascinating. The the actual starter is so active the gluten-free it's amazing which i didn't think it would be but it is it's it's crazy
0: and she's actually she is actually taking your advice sorry sorry but
1: (laughs) yeah 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 she she taught me how to do cakes but we're trying to make between us a really really nice because i'm really busy so she's she's there making this gluten-free sourdough at home in the worst possible conditions because it's so hot in her kitchen it's the most it's probably the smallest kitchen in the world (laughs) but she um, she's doing all right. She's made a she's made a few loaves, um, bit hit and miss because the 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 gluten free stuff, as you know, doesn't behave like normal stuff. Um, I've never made gluten free um, bread. I've never been into it, but gluten free sourdoughs, just a bit different. Um, but it, it doesn't retard well we've discovered between us both so we're just trialing and erring, really well mummies i'm not i'm just giving her pointers and it seems to be working with it. we've had one good one good loaf but it could be better so but she's making it every day now so just to try and get it right
0: the, pro- the process very similar in terms of uh, developing the flavor and the acidity yes. through having a starter and a ferment yes it is um but it's uh, yes understandably with with no protein matrix of the gluten there it's just a little bit harder to control um yes. and, and for stability and and for it to look nice when it's baked yeah yeah i think
1: i've got the, the thing there's this thing with gluten-free bread it just doesn't look nice does it however much we we try it just looks all looks like a pale brick <laughs> yeah it does do. yeah so we're just um, messing around really and using different things to try and make it look more attractive and make it look you know taste a lot nicer than what it is now so
0: well all the uh, bread particularly that you've uh, been known to make and continue to make has won a host of awards back in 2013 the tip tree world bread awards were launched and, and it was targeted at both professional and home bakers and was seeking really to celebrate the British passion for bread. For those that don't know, there are many competitions in all industries really to celebrate excellence. And there's a number of different competitions in in the bread world. Tiptree World Bread Awards has come across as as one to stay. It's recognized by the people that enter of having an award is uh, very meaningful to them and and, uh, their their customers, etc. And for those that don't know, a loaf of bread, uh, it's judged against different criteria, be it appearance, aroma, flavour, the, the structure and resilience, as we call it, of the crumb. And this is across all different types of bread uh, or categories, wholemeal, white, sourdough, Focaccia, ciabatta, baguettes, etc. And generally, the the judges would come together about over a hundred judges in one room and imparting their knowledge and wisdom on all the loaves that come in. But for last year, in, in 2020, uh, due to all the COVID and lockdown restrictions, it wasn't possible to hold such a competition. So the awards celebrated people behind the loaves: the bakers, the millers, the farmers. And all those who really, through bread, went above and beyond and made a big difference to help others, and particularly to help their communities. Now, the build up to this, of course, is your good self, because you won the uh, the award for the, being the bread hero for the Northwest with a whole, num- whole number of, of uh, different initiatives. I just wondered if you'd like to... Yeah, I'll say some of those with us otherwise we'll be talking for about oh, four was, hours because there were so many
1: it was it was just just crazy we never we came we just had baby Isaac when we said to, we're gonna we're gonna have an easy year we're actually not gonna enter as many competitions we baby,
0: baby Isaac, sorry that's child number five isn't it yes yeah um, and he's he's uh
1: he's 16 months old now and he's he's you know walking and talking but he was a newborn and I think it was two weeks before he was born. We went two weeks after we went into lockdown and it was we we debated. We've, we there was all I will never forget the we're having him and the nursing the, the midwife said to us, um, you know, what do you think of this coronavirus? And I said, oh, it's, it's a bit worrying, really. I said, we're keeping a close eye on it because it's spreading so fast. And she goes, oh, right, well, it won't amount to anything. I'll never forget her saying that. I eventually could have her words now. But we came out of the hospital, we got home, and we noticed suddenly the sales started going up in the shop. In Inglot and in Manchester, we got another shop in Manchester. The sales started going up, and we we're like, what's going on again? And we haven't really, read, you know, watched the news or anything. And the panic buying started just a little bit. Then... We went into lockdown, so we lost all our wholesale uh, completely overnight. I think we had two two little shops that were supplied throughout everything because they were really busy as well as us, and it just went crazy. That's the only word. And it feels like a blur now. It, it doesn't... It doesn't seem real that we actually went through it. It feels like the only way to describe it is if you were in a coma and you were looking outside in now, thinking back, it's a bit of a dream. And all the stuff that we did, and you look back on Facebook now, and you don't even remember doing it. But when we did do it because we were that tired. And looking back on the Facebook memories, you know, we did that. You know, there's there's different things we did. Um, We gave away thousands of loaves of bread to um, two or three different food banks because they didn't have any supply because normally they get stuff donated left right and centre but they'd been forgotten about so there was a lot of people going hungry so we said we can't have that so we put on extra bakes every day and we were working round the clock then we were doing 24 7 just to just to get through the day, and then I could see that we were going to have a flour crisis. So I rang a friend up just down the road who has a who sells wagons and stuff like that. So we bought a wagon and parked it outside the bakery and filled it full of flour. We still supplied flour. You know, we, we were selling flour before we started. Then stuff started happening, like veg and stuff started becoming um, a problem. So we we went out and got veg for the locals, and there were certain people who were struggling. So we helped them out as well, and we charlotte my partner she my wife she she got online and created an online shop and we started distributing it um within a certain mile radius then we went national with that and the boxes were just flying out of the door every day uh friends were helping us out who um my best friend guy he he did a lot he was working for us he he was off because his business was obsolete he was a heating engineer so um he was only going to emergencies but people won't have him in his house so he was doing all sorts, and um, as a community, really pulled together, it did in Guthrie, you know. We were still delivering here, there, and everywhere, and the, the sights that we saw, you know, you'll never forget them, you know. I remember going all the way down to Manchester, into Manchester and out again, and not seeing another car. I remember going to Liverpool, going through, it's the most weird sensation, driving all the way to a major city and not seeing a vehicle on the road. Also seeing wildlife, you know, the wildlife went crazy. We, around here, you know, there was a lot more deer. We saw a lot more hedgehogs and rabbits and... All sorts that we never really see. It's really, really bizarre. Then other good things. We did all sorts of different stuff. We we encouraged neighbours to help other neighbours because our neighbour John and Sylvia there. We hadn't heard from them. and then it wasn't until Guy said because he used to be the next door neighbour. He was like, Have you heard off next door? I said, No. So we we rung them and asked them, and they were really struggling. They couldn't they couldn't get a Tesco's delivery, and they were in they're in their eighties, so. We're doing shopping for them plus another load of other people roundabout, about and then we tried to help where we could so there was people who couldn't get fruit and veg so we started getting fruit and veg and we didn't make any we didn't ever think about making money on anything we just we just did what we had to do to help out um so the veg we sold at cost because we, we didn't really know how to sell veg you know we didn't have any scales that were built to sell veg so we just gave it away at the cost it was to us i remember McClure's we were de- we worked well with McClure's already they're like a uh, they're based in the lake district and they supply all over the lakes um, we supply our sourdoughs to them frozen and they distribute it throughout the lake district It went from zero you know, they just didn't have any customers at all. So we were buying everything we could off, and veg um, tins. We were buying um, pasta like it was going out of fashion. With thousands of kilos of pasta, we had like transit vans pulling up from McLeods with these huge catering-sized packs of pasta, and we were splitting them up and selling them for a pound a bag. And people were just queued for. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. They were queued all the way down the car park, round the corner, down to the main road. All all socially distancing, and then we introduced another sales we introduced like an outside sales area so then that a lot of people didn't want to come in the shop they felt a bit uneasy with everything that was going on so we had a a, we have a horse trailer for when we do events so we we re-kitted it out into like a little shop so then people could come to the the hatch buy what they wanted and go you know we really thought about everyone and at the forefront we had to worry about the team because bless them they were risking their lives effectively you know we have some older generation people that work for us and you know we have our family and uh, newborn and really worried about them so we introduced all sorts of different stuff and luckily we were like a little family so and other people saw what we were doing so we'd introduced a lot of the social distancing before you know we there was only at one point, there was one in and one out of the shop, wasn't there? And there was then we did it to two in, two out, but with massive social distancing. There's just so much that we did. and It just does, it doesn't seem real when you look back what we actually
0: did. It was amazing, really. It's surprising, isn't it, when times are tough and in adversity, just how yeah. people step up, not just one, but three or four rungs of the ladder and, and do what they can to help, especially... As a community. Yes, yeah, definitely. Uh, and, yeah. And, and and I do hope that uh, that spirit is is still there amongst the community in recognition um, for what certainly struck the heart and the chords of, of the judges of the uh, Tiptree World Red Awards there and, and nominated you as a hero, and, and, and rightly so. What, what happens in Easter, at Easter time, that's uh, a little bit different in Ingleton?
1: Well, we take over <laughs> the village. <laughs> Uh, season takes over the village really uh, with this quite elaborate egg hunt we have over 2000 eggs now uh, the team and some volunteers put out all these eggs and we put little letters on them and then we make like a there's an anagram hidden around the village and people have to guess it they tick off the letters and come and it's, it's very popular you know it attracts thousands of people now uh the last count we had we had over ten thousand people the year before COVID. Um, we didn't have it this year because it was very uncertain. Uh, we could have done it due to the you know the legislation because it was an outdoor event and we could implement social distancing, but we chose not to just to protect the village. Um, we didn't want lots of people coming from all over. Uh, hopefully, it'll be on next year. But during lockdown, we uh, we actually people were like a bit down in the dumps because it was so new and Easter was a bit rubbish. So. We still put on the bunny costumes and roamed around the village but handing out biscuits to little kids and it worked well it really picked everyone you know some of the we had little old ladies that were stood at the window we hadn't seen anybody in weeks crying and then waving waving frantically a six foot high bunny rabbit so it was quite funny really
0: it sounds very much to me as if 24 hours in a day just isn't enough for you alone let, let alone uh, the business operating that but if you if you had nothing scheduled for an entire day um what would you do with your time uh sleep <laughs> yes. sleep that, that's, <laughs> that's a very good baker's answer isn't it i i could i don't
1: normally you but... find somewhere to sit you sit down on don't you and then suddenly yeah. you thought you ne- your head goes, yeah. and that's it and then six seven hours later you you wake up thinking oh my day's gone especially eating if you, you as soon as you sit down have your tea at night that's it it's you're in a coma for a good, like, hour or so.
0: Absolutely zonked. I'm not a gambling person, but uh, but being a baker, um, I would put money on exactly the same... Uh, yeah, I think we're
1: all the same. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, absolutely. And are, are any of uh, the uh, your children taking towards baking at all?
1: They've, all? they've all been sort of forced into it. They don't... Macy, my elder, she doesn't really... She bakes, but she doesn't do it as a profession. I don't know. She wants to be an architect. She's a, she she has a she cleans some holiday cottages in the village, so uh, she doesn't. She helps out where she does. She, they all love doing the events and the shows and stuff like that. And the first thing they they say, like when we see them, oh, are we doing any shows this year because um, we get to camp out. It's like a busman's holiday really. We we go we go and we camp out in the tents and uh, all the camper vans and we. We set up an event and see loads of people, and we see people, family who come to the shows still and stuff like that. So they all want to do that. Um, Sophie, second, she she's really good at cake baking. She's quite the elaborate cake baker. Um, she makes fantastic celebration cakes, but she only does it for family. She doesn't do it as a profession. I don't know if she'll get into it. Jess always says, my you third know, She said that she wants to um, go into baking. Uh, she's she's twelve now, so she's uh, she's. Got her eye on her. She lo- she loves baking. Um, and then Oliver, uh, he's five. He's a bit crazy. He's constantly running around the bakery. And last night we're in and he finishes school and he comes out and he grabs a brush and starts brushing up and helping. He likes helping. So, and even Isaac, Isaac's walking now and he wouldn't go to bed the other night, so Charlotte came in, pushing him in the push chair, and he was going mad, wanted to get out, and then suddenly he grabs a rack and starts wandering on the bakery with a rack. So it's... Uh,
0: <laughs> it's in our it's blood, isn't in it? A, Yeah, yeah, it's in our it's blood. So. In, in, in the DNA. Yeah, now, yeah. Tell me, if, if you do get time to to have a tipple or listen to a piece of music, do you have a, a favourite of each?
1: Uh, yeah, I like, um, like gin. I like Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels and Coke or Lemon Gin with lemonade. I quite like that. I really like Lemonade. Well, yeah, and
0: the, uh, yeah, you won't need uh, many of those to put you to sleep. No, no, I
1: have, I have one. I'm a, I'm a real lightweight one and I'm gone. And, and uh, music, um, I like all sorts of different stuff. Um, I like the Foo Fighters and um, Biffy Cairo. But then in another another thing, I like 90s dance hits or something like that. It's, we've got Lexus in the bakery, so we have, we have all sorts of different music. Used a come from start to finish. Really, we all take it in turns because I don't think anyone in here is the same. And TikTok? Yeah, yeah, I love a bit of TikTok. I love a bit of TikTok. <laughs> Go on. we make TikToks all around the bakery. <laughs> I don't think half of the stuff like it, but I force them to like it. So <laughs> love TikToks. Yeah, S-
0: some so, some of the prob- some of them are probably not published, but some are put out there. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some bakery-related ones there. It's quite, it's quite good.
0: Funny. There's a, a program out there called Room One O One. Most people will know it where Frank Skinner sits down with, with a panel, three people. They sort of share their pet hates or obsessions. I have one. I'll put my hand up straight away. Generally when I'm drop, well, it is when I'm driving, it's uh, I give way to somebody and there may be a car in front of you, what have you. Maybe you're right of way, it may not, but you stop and you give way. And the car coming the other way just sails straight by with the driver <laughs> not even glancing at you, not even lifting a finger or anything uh, as a courteous thank you. So that, that would be my uh, room 101. Do, do you have any obsessions that we can share? <laughs> um, I, I hate when people make coffee and tea.
1: My wife does it every bloody day, and I think she only does it to. To really get, to really like put me in a mood. But I hate it when there's sugar and coffee everywhere. It's like you make a cup of coffee and it's meant to go in the cup. Maybe that's why she makes a bad one. I don't know. There's literally, if Charlotte makes a coffee, it's like, there's, it just looks like Vesuvius going off in the, in, in the vicinity. There's just coffee granules and sugar everywhere. That's probably my
0: biggest pet here. <laughs> well, that's, um, I think we can all thank Charlotte for uh, uh, being the background to that one. Thank you, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, you seem to be very skilled and, and very capable in, in uh, so many areas. And uh, But is there anything that you consider yourself not to be very good at? Other than woodwork and cutting your finger off. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Charlotte's probably better off asking. Uh, washing up, uh, washing up, and washing washing machine. I think I'm pretty good. at Washing, I do wash up. I don't do a very good job. She says, but she's got very high wow. standards on, on washing up.
0: We all suffer from that. Uh, let let yeah. Charlotte know that that uh, she needs to meet Janet. So uh, yeah, very very similar. <laughs> they, can, they can compare washing washing up disasters. Yeah, absolutely. My my wife comes from Yorkshire, so she comes from South Yorkshire. Oh. So to, god's chosen country and all that so uh very very strong resolve <laughs> now if, if you were serving a meal to friends and family do you have a go-to dish what, what would you serve
1: i always make a good roast dinner everyone says that i make a good roast dinner. it's probably because i've been doing it since such an early age on the farm. so but yeah roast dinner i always make a good roast dinner
0: J- just a couple of quick ones uh, red or brown sauce tommy k or hp red every time are you a cat or a dog person
1: uh dogs
0: i have many dogs
1: we've and, got lots of dogs we've got two puppies in
0: <laughs> and uh as well as five children gosh so that, that's a busy family yeah time. yeah i've got a few dogs yeah <laughs> we
1: have one cat don't we? we do have a cat so
0: probably a very silly question to be asking you but if you could just have three ingredients in your bakery uh what would they be and what would you bake flour water salt and then i'd, I'd make sourdough <laughs> straight into sourdough people should know that you know that in three years of entering awards of, of entering the Tip Tree World Red Awards, sixty percent of all your entries, you achieved thirty two awards. I shouldn't think you have any space left on the wall to, to hang them, do
1: you? Uh no, there isn't much. Both gable ends of the shop were full of full of awards. Then we've got the um the actual physical plaques and cups and I don't know what else you call them, accolades. They're all 3D, and we've got the wall-mounted ones. They're all they're everywhere, really. <laughs> do, do you find it's entering... not just the products the business? We're...
0: Sorry. Yes, yes. Do, do you find entering awards help? Do they matter?
1: Oh yeah, massively. Um, before we started entering awards, we we had a steady little shop. It would, you know, I employed. I think we had I think I had four or five employees when we moved in here, and then upon Winning awards, you know, up to over 50, 50 people, you know. I've got a waiting list of customers now that we can't, you know. We don't, we don't take everyone on. Um, we've just had we have big people asking now. It's it's gone from like little post offices within a five B radius of our on a map of ours uh, to national companies. You know, we've been supplying Six by Nico and Home by Nico during COVID. Um, with thousands of products for their home delivery we've got hello fresh has just been in touch they want the users morrison's want us to be in their stores it's it's really put us on the map in you know in in the bakery world of winning all these accolades um you know we won we've won britain's best loaf we've won uh overall we've won innovation loaf three or four times we've won uh, Britain's Best White Loaf last year which was which was amazing and all of them, every time we win it always gives the business a, a good boost if not through the retail side of it but through the wholesale side of it and you always get loads of inquiries from your existing customers you know, why haven't you offered this to me you know, well it's new, it's exciting so they'll take it and suddenly some of that you weren't making a lot of now you're making thousands of a week you know, like the beetroot sourdough you know, we make thousands a week of them so you've got the awards are a massive 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 thing for any business really
0: and of course do you do you find that they're a um, a massive pickup as well for the prestige of the staff and all the team and the customers yeah yeah ma-
1: massively especially like last year when when we were when it was so down in the dumps you know there was there was people trying to keep us you know, I was trying to keep a positive attitude because, you know, the staff had to be, uh, the team, more than staff, like, I don't like calling the staff, yes. it's just my team. And it's my job to keep them going, to keep them uplifted, you know, after, after, you know, some of these guys were doing 18 hour days during COVID, off their back, you know, and, you know, they were getting paid for it, but they weren't doing it for that reason. You know, I was keeping them upbeat, keeping them happy, trying to do all sorts. And other people picked up on that. And, you know, there was the local pub, they sent loads of beers to us. Uh, one night, because they knew they'd walked past on their half an hour of exercise that they're allowed, they came back down. They cut their hours short, half an hour short, and went back to the pub, got some beers, and dropped him off on the doorstep and gave us a ring. And it was that, you know, that that type of thing. To it gives everyone a big uplift when when we won when I won bread hero, you know, it it, we, it was really good for the the business. They they saw, yeah, Dan's done done, done good, and I'm really proud to be a part of that. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. So, okay. and all sorts like the, we had the um, the local ambulance, fire, emergency services. You no, know, they, everyone was clapping for them, uh, but they, start, they actually wow. passed outside the bakery and did all the sirens for 10 minutes. It was amazing. It was quite, quite emotional, really. And for them to say thank you to the team and all the village did as well. Everyone was clapping for us. It was really,
0: really, really nice. Sends a shiver down your spine, doesn't it? Just thinking about it. Yeah, it he does. Still thinking
1: about it. Yeah, it was. It was amazing. Then I had a little tear on the day. It was. It was crazy. It was so emotional.
0: Well, it's been an enormous privilege for me, and been great fun for me as well to, to listen you to you pour your heart out on on some very, emotive, uh, initiatives that you put into place, and every success uh, for the future, whatever the future might bring for your business, you uh, your family, and, and uh, of course, all of your team. Thank you very much. Thank you
1: very much. No, thanks, Stephen. Nice talking to you.
0: Baker's Dozen
1: on Food FM.
0: You've been listening to the Baker's Dozen on Food FM with your host, Stephen Hallam, the pork pie man with a bow tie from the old pork pie shop in Melton Mowbray, the centre of excellence for pork pies.